Hello and welcome back to MBA Mature by Accident. Shashwat Baxi and Gina Sasso here for another fun-filled educational episode of our joint podcast. Hello, Gina. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? <laughs> doing great. Doing great. I'm glad that you're doing well. Um, all's good here. Vivek's got a little bit of a cold, which has been a struggle, but outside of that, oh. all good. Yeah. Poor little guy. Yeah. We've been Ooh. dealing with some colds here too. I think there's just tis the season, right? There's there's all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, you never realize it until you have children that like kids get sick over nothing. Over nothing. That's right. He, he doesn't even go anywhere. He doesn't see anybody. How did right. he get sick in his house? So. Well, it happens. Because their whole little system is new. Yeah. I mean, also, also it's I guess it's fairly evident. He picks up random stuff and puts it in his mouth, right? So yeah, um, so it goes. Um, anyway, <clears throat> enough about uh, Vivek's being sick. On this episode, we wanted to uh, welcome in a new guest and a new member of the MBA Mature by Accident family, Diana Sheard. Diana Sheard, welcome to MBA Mature by Accident. How are you? Howdy. I'm good. Okay. So, and that is um, Sorry, which yeah. by accident. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for being on. So, for the local folks, I think to Connecticut, Diana, people probably know you as um, somebody else. They probably know you as, uh, from my understanding, Valentine the Clown. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Bob. Mm hmm. That's me. So um, I'm going to address you as Diana because I assume that you don't want to always be only known as Valentine. That's sort of your alter ego, right? Yeah, e either way, it's just yeah, it's kind of part of me. I mean, I, yeah, I would, either way, whatever you like. <laughs> I would assume. So, um, Diana, when did you start to show interest in this sort of like entertainment space? So, yes, I actually do have this little testimonial thing that I do when I do a talk for, like, adults about transformation. So I'll just blab it to you quick. So I was in, oh, I was in completely, I want to be in a dark room, shy kind of person until sixth grade. Sixth grade, met my, you know how they say one person, one teacher can change your life, I suppose. And, and uh, so Mr. Crom, sixth grade teacher, called me to the front of the room and said, because he knew my dad. My dad was in radio, by the way. And so he was a very social public person. So he assumed, I guess, I was, which I was not. And he called me up front and said, uh, you know, this is what we do to kids when they don't properly behave. And he slammed down a ruler right next to my hand. And I squeaked because it was scary. And the class laughed. And I remember just feeling like at that moment, it was kind of a fun thing. Like I wasn't feeling like they were laughing at me, hating me. It was kind of, I don't know. I got some sort of a jazz out of it. And then I kind of started to come out of my shell slowly and surely. And I was class clown in junior high. And, you know, I, I just remember making a conscious decision that I didn't like people looking at me except for if I was going to decide why people would look at me. And then I just started doing my clown thing. And that was it, junior high and high school. And then, and then I decided I wanted to do, learn some more. So I joined the circus after high school and learned a lot of things there. And came home, mostly learning. I did not want to live there. But um, that was it. It just happened. Slowly so you and went short. from So you went from being kind of a shy 
kid to being class clown in a, a matter of a few years. Yeah. Wow. It was good. Yeah. I remember, you know, going around, they had this contest, which I was quite proud of. I don't know if my parents were, it was called Fool of the School <laughs> at St. <laughs> Thomas High. <laughs> so whoever had the most jar won, and don't you know, I won. And, you know, oh. we just stopped funky and walked around town, and, you know, people would give us change. And it was, it was like a way to get comfortable with strangers and just have fun with them. And I've always had fun with strangers, yes. I don't care where I am. You're going to look at me. I'm going to call you on the carpet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, And then you had talked about briefly just now that you went to the circus after high school. Is that what you had mentioned? Yeah. You know, I wanted to learn and I wanted to know about, we had gone to the circus in sixth grade and that's when I decided I, I was like enamored by the face paint and the, I don't know, just the, funny, silly happiness everybody was putting out. So I wanted to learn. So I got a job in New Haven when Ringling came to town um, selling cotton candy and, well, snow cones first, but they were way too heavy for me. So I switched. I made an educational decision to switch to to, uh, cotton candy. And then they fired somebody during the week in, in the very unofficial, official way that they used to be. And they said, hey, you want to come? There's room on the train. So um, that was my application, I guess. <laughs> then that was a Thursday, and then we left Sunday. I mean, my parents were like freaking out. They're just yeah. Like, I was just gonna go- say, like, as a parent now, like, I can't imagine my daughter coming to me and being like, you know what, Sunday, leaving with the circus. So what yeah. were those conversations like? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they, all, my whole family came to the train. I mean, circus people are different, you know. There's um. Especially, I was working on concessions, so our, our, like, train car was full of, you know, different kind of people, people that came from carnival life, and uh, I'll just say, you know, a little bit funky, and I had my family doing this goodbye party for me at the <laughs> with my bag packed and everything. I mean, it was just so funny. I was so not fitting in, but that's okay, and I had met a girl during the week that I worked with, you know, enough to know that, okay, she'll cover me. And that was it. So, yeah, I just went. No cell phone, by the way. Um, this was 1982. So no cell phones. And um, you just go. And then you'd call home between between breaks from all the different civic centers that we were at. Crazy. How long were you a part of the circus, Diana? And what was that experience like for you? The experience was just like a bittersweet thing. I mean, I... I loved it because my friends were my friends. I'm happy just being with people that I like. And at the same time, you know, whatever, you, you, you learn things. You're sleeping on a train. The train's parked crooked for a week. I ended up lasting until I had $100 left. It was 99 bucks to get home from Kentucky. And I wrote my little goodbye letters to everybody and got a, a bus ride home. So it was like a summer. It was a few months. That was it. I mean, I definitely absorbed as much as I could, but I, I knew, like, if I, you know, if I don't go now, yeah. I just got to get out. I got to get out. So I, I did that. Is there um, one, is there one, like, experience or memory from that summertime, the few months that really stands out, like, I was a part of the circus, and here is how I remember it. I, I remember the family feeling. Um, everyone just 
in their group and like you're walking around the civic centers seeing all your people you know just give a quick head hey how are you um you're just connected and and oh my gosh i got to meet uh gunther devil williams you guys are probably too young you need to look him up um he was the lion tamer the cat trainer in ringling who i just always adored he was the coolest dude and um one night, yeah, he gave gave me a ride with you know a few of us back to the train from the um from where the show was at, and I was pumped because he was the coolest guy ever. <laughs> he he had white slick. He was I think German. He had like white slick hair, and it was just so cool. He was like, "You want to come?" I'm like, "Of course." <laughs> That's amazing. Great. <laughs> hey. Look him up, Gunther Gebel, cool dude. And he's passed since, but great animal trainer, you know, cat trainer. Um, yeah, and I, I just remember loving the train rides. You just ride, 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 and you just look out. And when you come through the center of each town, like at the crossways, um, the people knew that the trains were coming through because it was, you know, every year um, they would do the similar towns. So they would all be waiting and wa- waving and whistling, and you would just hop out on the vestibule and just wave to everybody. It was just the most fun, actually. That is so amazing and such an experience that, you know, you'll take with you forever. How was that bus ride home from Kentucky? Uh, was it heartbreaking? Were you excited to kind of start your new chapter of life? But what what was that moment like for you kind of being on that bus back home? Yeah, it was exciting. I knew I was heading home. I didn't tell anybody in my family. So my girlfriend, my um, best forever that her father would not let her join with me by the way he forbid her <laughs> she met me at the train brought me home brought me back to the house and my family was like oh my gosh and you know i i met this cool old guy on the ride home and we just talked it was 24 hours i remember that the bus ride we just talked about everything he was from vermont we just covered um you know the philosophical things of life i guess and that was that i got home and got back to reality whatever my reality is to this day so you, but the, so this is happening when you had just finished high school, right? So you're at this point, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, I was eighteen. Had yeah. just finished high school, did a quick stint with the with the circus. You knew you were really passionate about entertainment and this whole industry. Where do you go? I from was, yeah, I definitely met. You know, on the show were, were clowns, people that I had met. So I had auditioned the year before, and I was too young. So okay. that's when the show came back around. You know, I, I did the audition, which was like, oh, so crazy, just crazy nervous. You're at the Civic Center and you just have to, you know, everybody's there to audition. And I met, had met a lady that was auditioning her 10th year. I remember this. And she was juggling, like, everything, like humans, bowling balls, whatever. And I'm thinking, she's auditioning 10 years and she still hasn't gotten in, like, this is not, I can't, I can't do that. I'm too impatient. I'm too ADH, as I like to tell people. So that's why when they came back around, I got a job on the show. And when I could travel, that was it. I was pumped. I just could learn things on the spot. That's awesome. That is so cool. Anyway, yeah. So after you got home from the circus, what was the next kind of chapter of your life? What did you do after that? Uh, my mom, who was always so supportive, she made, like, little business cards for me, and I just started 
that was it. I just started talking it up that I was going to, that I'm doing this thing that I always wanted to do. I mean, all my friends wrote in my yearbook, you know, you're going to be a great clown. You're going to be a clown someday. Like they knew, everybody knew I wanted to be a clown. So, so cool. Get it going. So I just told people and I, and I've learned um, many things from about makeup and everything from the clowns in the circus. But I also learned a lot of other skills from my good friend, Tony Leone. He's a magician here in town. I don't know if you know him, Dean, but he is like the coolest dude. Um, he and his wife was making costumes for me and they promoted me, you know, used me in some of their magic shows and stuff. Yes, he did cut me in half once. That was very exciting. And um, I got to do just, I just got connected. And, and once you do one, then somebody else, you know, if they like you, they'll give your name and, and on it goes. Most of the time I work just by referral and mouth to mouth. I like that. Mouth to mouth. How did you come up with Valentine the Clown, Diana? My friend named me. She just, I was trying to get a name. My mother was saying, how about pumpkin? And then my friend was saying, you love hearts, you love pink, you love red, Valentina. So I was like, Valentina's a little too girly for me. So how about Valentine? And then it took off, which is kind of cool because there's not a lot of Valentines around. I've, I've, um, I've met one more she, by, by Facebook, actually. I, I had to go on Facebook to learn how to be a, to do a COVID um, videos for the Y. <laughs> and apparently she had been messaging me, and I didn't even know that. So whatever. We met. She's in California. And I don't know if she's clowning anymore, but there's not a lot of Valentine clown names around. So I was, that was a great choice on my friend's part. Yeah, good job. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, you guys can cover all of the U.S. Like you're East Coast, she's West Coast. You know, you guys, you guys got it covered there. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Every, every region now has a Valentine. So that's great. (laughs) We got it right here. (laughs) So I can imagine that it was, oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm just celebrating my 40th year this year, so. 40th year, wow. Yeah, I got right to it, you know. Yeah, that's amazing. I can imagine it was kind of challenging in the beginning, um, and I'm sure you had to do other jobs and other things to kind of fill in your time. What are some other jobs that you've had? Well, I'll give you the list. I was a secretary, picture that, okay? for Schneider Incorporated, um, you know, Schneider Trucking, um, that was up at the, it was, the office was near the truck stop at the time. So I was a secretary for them, which was quite hysterical. And then I was also a secretary for Acorn Manufacturing, because I was a great steno doer, I'll just say it, in high school. I was a typer and a steno girl. So um, I was able to use those skills. I was bartending at Paris Cafe, where I met my husband. I was waitressing at Pattenbrook Dairy. I was the court jester at the Burger King in Meriden. <laughs> um, they had me just doing what my clown thing, but in a court jester costume between like when the kids were having their birthday parties in front of the giant monkeys or whatever it is, giant raft or whatever. Um, so yeah, I did just all those things until finally enough. I couldn't mix it all together. I just had too many clown things coming in. And so the other job went by the wayside. What is your favorite type of event to entertain or perform at? 
I can literally say that I have an answer for that lately, lately. Because I always did say that I love doing the mix. I love, you know, being with kids one day, seniors the next, schools. I love my parades. Oh, my gosh, parades just get you going. Um, but I really do love, like, doing my scout and school programs. I really love doing it. And I don't like doing it for the whole, I prefer not to do a whole thing. I like like a group of 30 to 60 at once where I go in and put my face on in front of the kids. And because it's huge right now, the whole conversation of clown fears, I'm sick of hearing it, but I know it's the thing. So I have to discuss it with them. And they see me come in with my real face, which is extra scary. And then I say, this is how I'm going to look. I show them a picture and we talk about all the places where, I go as a clown, the hospital, we talk about where kids will see me, you know, birthday parties. And then we're having this conversation and whoever was afraid of me is not afraid of me anymore, typically. And the next thing they know, you know, they could try my wig on and then everybody gets a clown nose. I teach them a couple tricks. Like, it's my most fun. I really do love, love it. And, and it's a controlled atmosphere because there's a teacher nearby to give the old teacher eyes if the kids start messing up. <laughs> Well, I can tell you, Diana, I've got grown friends that are afraid of clowns, so I don't think yeah. any of them would help any of those it's people. It's mostly adults. It's mostly adults. Really yeah. and truly, it's adults. And they, and then if an adult tells their child, oh, we're afraid of clowns, or I'm afraid of clowns, well, then the kid just repeats it, except sure. they're not. So let's talk about why. Did a clown, I always say, did a clown bite you when you were little? <laughs> like, <laughs> I got to know. And first of all, I didn't tell you to watch Stephen King, okay? I did not yeah, tell totally. you to watch that. Totally. <laughs> so, that's usually the case. That is so, yeah, that's so interesting that it's mostly adults that are afraid because I, you know, just remember, like, being a kid and there were people that were definitely afraid of clowns for whatever reason, and I, I never understood, really. Obviously, if you know Stephen King, you know why, but, yeah. like, is that really the only reason why people are afraid of clowns or is that like, I mean, sometimes they make them like, I guess, demonic around like Christmas or not Christmas on uh, oh. Halloween. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand why that fear is there. I do think you're right because yeah, just these characters and they're, if they're giving them attention and they have, they could take five minutes and give me attention and find out that no, a clown is not meant to scare people. I always tell them they have two jobs, laughter and love. That's it. So if you see a scary clown, they're not a clown. They're just some ding dong dressed up doing a bad thing. So, and, you know, we, we go over. And really, kids are open to suggestion, right? So if a kid says, I'm afraid, oh, my gosh. And I'm, then I usually say, well, I'm afraid of blonde or whatever. I make up some dumb thing that they are. And then, um, then they will laugh. And suddenly we're talking and they realize, you know, it's nothing to really be scared of. Now, an adult, it's locked in their head. They have years of this memory. So they're hanging on to it. Hmm. You know. Yeah. They're tapping into some fear from years and years ago. More than yeah. Yep. They're hanging what, on to it. What would you say is your um, favorite part about it uh, in the experiences that you've had? Like, what's the best part? Just getting kids to laugh and smile, I would assume? Oh, yeah. Getting them to laugh. Getting them to um, sass back a little, you know, question what I'm doing. There's a couple of simple tricks that I can actually teach them how to do, and they just you love when you just open their mind to something, to trying 
detail. They're looking at this dollar trick that I do. It's just the most simple thing. I actually got it from a Boy Scout troop. And it's the most used thing I think I have in the front of my suitcase. It's right there at the ready. And they, they're like, they can't figure out how it works. And then when I show them, they're like, oh, my gosh. And then they want to do it. And then they tell the story to their mom or dad, like, in front of me. They practice. They learn what I said. And they, they copy it. It's just great. It's just great to connect and share with them. It really is. I want to ask about your community involvement and the you know work you do in hospitals and things like that. Um, I'm sure you're bringing smiles to people's faces that are um, in situations that you know are aren't so great, especially when they're in the hospital. Can you give us um, either a story or talk about those experiences? Absolutely. I have always, uh, even before I started really clowning, um, always been visiting nursing homes with like common my grandmother was in a nursing home when we were young so I was never not comfortable there and well for me I've always visited hospitals and been fine with being a distraction from whatever issue they're going through like that's why I guess that's my ministry if you will because that's what I do so whether I'm sitting with kids you know who have I don't know they can have cancer or they lost a leg or they have a million different things going on I don't care I could care less. Look at my face. Let's talk about what do you want to learn today? What do you want to do today? Let's do stuff. You know, let's have fun. I don't care. You know, the tubes are a pain, like if we're trying to walk down the hall. But but other than that, you know, we're just there to have, to be, to distract and have a good time. Take your mind away. And if they want to, you know, cry or be sad later, that's fine. And if they want to cry and be sad when I'm there, that's also fine, honestly. I'll sit with them. You know, sometimes I just sit with them. Um, it's not all about, I'm, not, I'm just not like that clown that walks in. La, la, la. I'm just not that, you know. <laughs> like, I like having a chat with them and finding out what things they like. And then from there, we can start doing a craft or doing a trick and keep your mind on good stuff, you know. Yeah. And same thing yeah. with seniors, you know, in nursing homes, same thing. Going with some music. Um, dancing around, you know, and sometimes they do just want to talk and tell you their story, and that's fine. So, obviously, uh, and this is not meant to be funny, but being a clown is clearly not all fun and games, right? So what is the hardest part about your role, the the job that you've had now for four decades? What's been the hardest part about being a clown? When I get a call, you know, that one of our kids passed oh. in the hospital. Yeah. It's sad because, well, I always wish I could say goodbye, and sometimes I don't have a chance, you know. I mean, I am a person of faith, and so I know where they're going. I completely know where they're going, but I still wish I could say goodbye, you know. That's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Is it also difficult to deal with some of the children, right? You, I mean, if you're at a party and some kids who are like, you're not real, you're not funny, blah, blah, blah. That kind of, does that make, does Absolutely. That make frustrating? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And frustrating, really not in the beginning, but I always seem to fall for the, the most outgoing kid in the beginning I need to get the group comfortable with me. And then uh-huh. by the end, I'm like, okay, they're pulling my pants off. Let's get them back. Somebody hold them. <laughs> but um, I always fall for it every time. I'm so naive. But yeah, when they say you're not real, then we talk about, well, then I just, I totally turn that right on them. I said, well, do you think I could be born this way? My mother would have had a heart attack. And then we talk about, you know, can you guess what my hair is made from? So I just turn it. I turn it to a learning thing. And usually 
more than not, 99% at work. Um, you know, because then we're talking about what kind of a face do I have? It's called a white face clown. Then there's other kinds of clowns. And I just start drilling them with information and questions and kind of get them off the topic of wanting to rip my hair off. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome, Dinah. Um, Dinah. So we, we very much appreciate uh, your time with us today. If people are looking to get uh, in contact with you, if they're interested in, in your services for any of their community engagements or, or parties or other things, how can, how can people find you? They can certainly find me now, anyway, on Facebook. I have found my way there and Instagram. I'm more comfortable on that. People message me there all the time. Or you can email me, valentinetheclown at yahoo.com. Easy enough. People find me every which way now. And if you guys are ever free and not in Chicago, um, you know, but you're close and you want to march in the parade with me or do some fun thing with me, please say the word. Because it is the best. Uh, I love yeah, it. I actually think I am going to do something with you with the elfing. Um, I, uh, I think I've signed up for that. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, that is um, an event. I believe you go to schools and um, yeah. well, spread yeah, we used to go to schools. Here. Yeah, we go to businesses and collect toys for social service. And it is all day blast. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. Last, last question. Last question for me, Diana. How much longer do you have before you retire Valentine the Clown? You've been doing this for four I'm, decades. How many more decades do you yes. have? Yes. Trying to figure that out now because my husband just retired. So now yeah. he's hanging around. You know, he's doing stuff every day, but he's like here. And then I'm going in and out, in and out. So I, I think I'm, I'm kind of tapering now. I'm being okay. a little bit more cheesy, I guess, stuff that I'm going to do. So maybe, I don't know, five years or so. There was an obituary in one of our clown magazines years ago where they call it the last walk around. And this clown lady had started clowning in her 70s and died in her 90s. So he's like, oh, you got time. My husband said, you got a lot of time left. Absolutely. I mean, the longer you can spread cheer and joy on people's faces, the better it is for everybody, right? Absolutely. Wrinkly or not, I'll do it. Yeah, that's right. It just means a little bit more makeup. Not a big deal. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Diana. We very much appreciate it. And best of luck as you go forward with. Uh, okay, guys. Happy podcast. Thank you. So Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Happy Thanksgiving too. Bye. You bet. Man. All right. So I... now we're going to uh, transition to our MBA in the news. I think that that was a really cool conversation that we had and just, just awesome. I mean, Valentine in, in our local like area is basically like a, a local celebrity, so it was cool to have her. It's hard to believe that somebody just up and joins a circus. It's like out of I a know. story. It's so out of a story. Um, but how tremendous for Diana to make a 40-year career out of it. I know. Mind-boggling to me. Anyway, so <clears throat> it is cool. As you said, MBA in the news. I found an interesting article uh, on CNN Health, and the title is, um, Is Your Mother Warmer With Her Grandkids Than With You? Question mark. A New Study Blames Biology by Madeline Holcomb on CNN. And 
The article talks about, uh, they did a study with 50 grandmothers and talking about the relationships between the child and the grandchild and how it's potentially the case where biologically there's a relationship and an emotional connection that's stronger with children, with the grandchildren than it is with the children. So um, this idea that there are like brain changes from the mom, right? Where it's like more of a village mentality than a motherly mentality and how that connection of wanting to help raise the child, um, which I thought was really interesting because now having my parents, my mom specifically be a grandmother, I see this in my life every single day. And my mom doesn't live anywhere near us. And I was like, I mean, I, I one specific example is my parents drove out here to spend some time with us. This is months ago now. I opened the door. My mom didn't even look at me. She like literally didn't look at me, came in the door and was like, Vive, come here, give me a big hug. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Hello, mom. Good <laughs> month. Thank you. I'm here, your son's house. You, hello, it's nice to see you too, but she just like pushed me out of the way. And then like four days later, I reminded her, by the way, you haven't even hugged me hello yet. It's been four full days. <laughs> it's so, uh, it's so funny to hear because it's like the same with every, you know, with every family, right? I feel like that's like, I mean, right, even right before we were just recording, my mother FaceTimed me, but she wasn't FaceTiming me. She was FaceTiming the girls, and um, she was absolutely wanting to be part of their life. And, and hey, I thought the article was so interesting how they were taking MRIs of brains of grandmothers and yeah. kind of researching the reactions to how, like, the neurological responses to seeing pictures of their own grandchildren in comparison to their own children, um, sure. and in some, place, some cases in-laws. Um, it, it is a truly fascinating article for those who want to check it out. But um, yeah. the response for the grandchildren was just overwhelmingly empathetic, which it was um, emotionally empathetic. And um, that's the part of the brain that it was triggering, which was so interesting to me because that's exactly how I feel my mother responds to my grandchildren or, or to her grandchildren. Yeah. She knows them on a different level than everybody else. And she has a special bond with every single one of them, and she gets them. She understands them. They have the best time with her. And I remember having this relationship with my grandma as well. And it's mm -hmm. just, it's very cool to see kind of science tie into, like, what you're actually feeling in your life. It's so cool. Yeah. There's no question. There's no question it's that way with my mom. There's no question it's way with Divya's mom. I'm sure that's how it is, and, you know, with Paul. Uh, oh yeah, as well, right? And the grandmas For are sure. just like my babies, and I'm like, listen, uh, you don't have to push us out of the way. We will gladly step to the side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a hello us. and a greeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's basic. Yeah, for real. Yeah, for real. Totally. Anyway, uh, really interesting, um, and something that we're dealing with in our everyday life. And it almost get it. It, it was weird to me initially, where I was like. I'm seeing my parents in a totally different light, right? My mom, especially like there are things, my parents, especially there are things that my parents say to my, my son that they, I can't, I can't imagine have said to me in the last like decade, right? <laughs> Just the overwhelming love that they have. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, it's great, but also some part of me is like, I would like for you to love me like that too. You know? <laughs> 
well, here's the thing, though. In the article, it said that as parents, as we it. evolve, you know, yeah. like as our brains evolve as parents forever, which is why they have this right. connection to their this grandchildren. So there's hope for you. You're going to have this with Vivek's kids. So Yeah, yeah I've only got to wait <laughs> decades until that happens. <laughs> well, hey, hope, you know, hang yes. on to it. <laughs> yes, I, I will try. I will try. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, but definitely an interesting article and an interesting concept, to say the least. So, um, <clears throat> and then as we transition to our moments of the week, um, my moment of the week is like, I think it's been going on for four days. Um, it's very much so, I, th I think I said this, Vivek is sick. And the idea that now all of our plans are impacted by his ability to feel better and sleep through the night. Like we have to literally cancel on people at the last minute. Um, and that's what happened. So my moment of the week was, I really wanted to go to something we had tickets for. There was a comedy show, we had tickets. I really wanted to go. And it was the case where it's like, hey, so he's not feeling well. He's not gonna do well with other people. He's not gonna sleep through the night. So what do we do? How do we balance out between, do we go, do we not go? Is it more important for him to stay at home and feel better or is it more important for us to live our lives and deal with it. And it's just one of those things where I know now that my schedule is 100% controlled by him. All we're gonna do controlled by him, everything that happens is very much about him. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing because we know with the way that things go in life, you also wanna take time for yourself. You also wanna still be able to do the things you wanna do, but what is the priority? And inevitably the priority is always him, right? How he does better. And, and his happiness and his well-being. So it's an interesting uh, set of moments and, you know, one of those things where you learn as a parent that your life is no longer in your Right. No, and that's exactly the whole part of kind of learning how to be a parent, right? Like this is this is the, the path that you're on. And I wish that I could say that that's the last time that that's going to happen, but it's it's for sure not. And, you know, it gets complicated as as you're aware. Um, no so my uh, moment of the week was that I had somebody reach out to me um, this week that I hadn't spoke to in a while, and um, we had some emotional turmoil, and it didn't end on the on the, the best foot. Um, so that came to a kind of resolve and went in a different direction, and um, it really brought me joy. And um, you know, it's, I I'm kind of excited to move forward and and just really kind of navigating through a new relationship with this person. So I'm super excited about it. I think that it's good and it, it feels good for me and hopefully we can kind of patch things up. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because this happens, right? And as adults, as we get into adulthood, things like this happen and it could not mean forever, you know, like that when you're in it and when you're having issues and where, when you're deep into your emotions, you could feel as though it is forever. But there's always usually a way to kind of either end it or resolve it or move forward. And um, I'm just excited to have the opportunity to do that. So that was my moment of the week. That's great. I have so many questions, but I'm going to. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm going to withhold my questions uh, because let's leave it at the fact that whoever this person is reached out. Good job. Yep. Hopefully, yep. hopefully things are well going forward. Perfect.
So uh, as we wrap another wonderful episode of our podcast, I will give my quote. Um, and I thought this was interesting. When I was thinking about quotes for this particular episode, I was like, how many quotes are there going to be about being a clown? Right? Because I obviously wanted to <laughs> I didn't even quote. attempt because I assumed there would be none. <laughs> there are so many. <laughs> oh. oh, no, now I want to change mine. <laughs> there are so many. Um, the one I found was by Emmett Kelly, and Emmett Kelly's quote says, a clown's makeup and character, that's all he has to sell. He loves and believes in that. <clears throat> End quote. And I thought that was really interesting from what Valentine was talking about, that even though she had all these part-time, or Diana was talking about, even though she had all these part-time jobs, inevitably this one ruler incident changed her entire life, and then she became Valentine the Clown. Like, that is a part of her. Um, and she believes so much in that character and what she's doing and her role in spreading the joy and laughter and happiness to not just the kids but everybody in the community is tremendous. Um, it's not just about putting makeup on your face and, you know, spraying people with water and making uh, balloon animals. There's so much more to that, and it's really a part of her. And I thought it was interesting to hear from her how her how her story has morphed into really being a, almost two different people now. She's Valentine and Diana, but it's all one, which is great. Cool. Yeah, that's really great. It was that's a really great you know kind of way to sum up the the entire story, right? Um, what I was thinking more because I assumed there was no clown quotes. I I should have yeah. done that. Yeah. Um, lesson learned that there's always a positive quote about being anything. Good. Yeah. So, um, I went more of the bringing happiness route. So my, uh, my quote is for what pleasure can compare to the pleasure of bringing joy and hope to others. The more we make others happy, the greater will be our own happiness and the deeper sense of having served humanity. So I think that that's exactly what we heard today. She's bringing happiness to those in in situations that maybe are not feeling so happy, bringing smiles to people's faces, spreading joy wherever she goes, and also uh, just her taking the time to even work with people that have fears and kids that are fearful. And you can just see that this has been part of her and this is part of who she has always been. And yeah, like that, like you said, that one ruler incident really sparked it in her, but it just seems like it was always going to no matter what. Um, and her story is just fantastic. So I'm really excited that she was on today. Yeah, for sure. That's an it's an excellent quote and really does sum up not just being a clown, but just in general, right? Trying to bring light and light and joy to people's lives in whatever capacity you can do that. So fantastic. Well, as always, on behalf of Diana Sheard, aka Valentine the Clown, on behalf of my lovely and wonderful co-host Gina Sasso, this was Shashwa Baxi. Ladies and gentlemen, hope all is well. Happy holidays. For MBA Mature by Accident, we out. <laughs>